Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Wow. So uh, we're starting a new series today, and this first topic, it's going to be on marriage, and this first topic, does marriage really matter anymore? And to kick this off, I want you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 to 33. Ephesians 5, 31 to 33, Paul is going to kind of set the framework for us here. For this reason... A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, all right. I was at a prayer meeting back in January and with a bunch of pastors from Fort Worth, uh, part of the advisory team for Tarrant Net, and we were down at Glen Rose and praying and seeking God. And then this idea came up for a, a marriage uh, series that we would do together. And so it's a pretty cool thing. One of the things I'm excited about this marriage project that we're doing is that we're doing it with dozens of other churches at the same time. So that little sign you see out front, you're going to see that sign in front of, you know, McKinney and... Christ Church Assembly of God and, and uh, Hewlin Street and all, all these different churches around town. And so it's exciting. It's, it's, it's an exciting thing for unity in the big C church in the city that all these churches are partnering together. It's exciting for marriages. In our, we want to strengthen marriages. And it's exciting for just reaching out to people and, uh, in our city because there are our, our city, I don't know if you guys know this, has grown from, in just the last handful of years, from 500,000 to 720,000. You know, Tarrant County's growing like crazy, and the number of churched people's not matching that at all. So there's all these folks that need churches, that need connection, and they need to hear, what does God say about marriage? What's his heart for marriage? And I realize, too, that we've got a lot of folks in here that aren't just married. There's some married people. And then there's a whole bunch of not married people around as well. And, but this series is going to be about everybody because God's heart is that it's, it's not just that everybody would be married, but that there's a foundational relational starting point for marriage that's supposed to affect how we see relationships in all of the world. And that's a, that's a big, huge deal in God's economy and God's plan. And so throughout this whole series, I'm going to be bringing everybody in. We're talking about marriage, but it's about everybody. And so part of a, a healthy marriage is ultimately being the kind of person that you would like to marry yourself. You want to have that kind of wholeness, character, life, walking with Jesus, those kinds of things, right? So that's, hopefully we'll bring people in. And it's a big deal because in a Consumer society, is that up for grabs or are we pretty much, can, is that okay to say that? In a consumer society, you know, where you just, it's always about acquisition and discarding things. And so we use things and then we discard them. We use experiences. We have experiences and then we move on to the next and sometimes we even forget what experience we had, right? And even people, and this is where it gets kind of sad, right? We will use people and move on to the next thing, kind of like, you know, going through a buffet line and, you know, grabbing this relationship for a little while and then discarding it for a little while, that kind of thing. And so there's so much more. It, I, I, I want to ask the question, is it an option for us? It, and it's not an option. It's not an option with people. You know, that's the, it's just a hard thing when you start thinking that through. 
One of the stats on the uh, video, I, I like the little video, mainly the guys at McKinney and Hewlin Street, I think, are responsible for those. So we're going to have videos before the sermon each week, little <laughs> kind of cool. Sort of cool, uh, not, yeah, whatever. Okay, so uh, one of the stats, though, was that since in the last 50 years, the, the, uh, the p- people living together has gone up 17-fold, 17 times. And, you know, there's some reasons for that. One of my mentors is a guy named Dr. Jim Reynolds, and he's pastor over at Lake Highlands Church in Dallas, and he was a, also a family lawyer. And one of the things he pointed out to me was that Back in 71, I think it was, 1971, our country went to a no-fault divorce. So for all these years leading up to that, even in secular society, it was kind of tied to the biblical, you know, you, you know adultery or some different things for, for, for divorces happening. But since then, you know, marriage is splitting up. It's just skyrocketed. And we, a lot of us, you know, our family and many of your families have lived through the pain of divorce. And it's hard. And there's brokenness and, you know, your parents or your, maybe you as a spouse or whatever. All those things are hard and it creates wounds in us. And so it's not surprising at one level to watch that, you know, people cohabitating thing go up because they're going, man, I don't know if I want to do that. Or I don't know if I want to do that yet. Or I'm going to wait a while to see if this is going to work. And all those kinds of things that go through people's minds. It fuels, what we're seeing is a fueling of the cycle of pain and brokenness. It's just, it's being passed on generationally. And so we want to just deal with this question today, does, does marriage really matter? And if God is our starting place, and here at Christ Fellowship, obviously we're following Jesus and you're, you're here today, but if God's the starting place, then he's got something to say about marriage. And it's in his heart. And even if God isn't your starting place, why is it that the happiest people are the people that stay committed in a relationship over the long haul? Some of the most joyful people I've ever met. I've been to a funeral of a guy that was, you know, that was married over 60 years, and they just they were joyful. And we're going to talk about some of the relationships I've had with people that have been married a long time in Jesus, where it's been Jesus first and what happens in all of that. So it's a big deal. We're going to be talking about the importance of marriage. Here's the main thing today. Marriage is intended to reveal God's heart for people and point the way forward in loving others and the world around us. So what we're seeing in marriage, what we're going to talk about today is that God's revealing something about himself to us in marriage. It's not just about these, uh, these relationships of husband and wife. So let's talk about this. Number one, marriage reveals God's heart of love. So back to that verse again one more time. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. Okay? However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. So we're talking about marriage. But we're talking about something deeper than marriage. We're talking about marriage, but we're talking about something that eclipses that and that marriage actually is like a pointer that points to a shadow being cast on the earth of something heavenly and awesome and glorious, Christ in the church. It's Christ in the church, or another way of saying it is God and his love for his people. 
So if you were to just, if, if you could understand somehow what God in heaven feels for his people, and then put that into the most healthy, vibrant, beautiful, wonderful, awesome marriage that's ever existed, you would be touching on a little fragment of how much God loves us. And it, it, it's amazing. You know, we're in our 30th year now, or 31st year, been married 30 years. And, you know, there's just, uh, pause, I'll, I'll, I'm going to say something more about that in just a second. The Bible, the, the Bible, if you, you know, one of the ways to tell the story of the Bible is from Genesis to Revelation. If you look at the first two chapters, it's about a marriage between a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. And the last two chapters, Revelation 21 and 22, it's about a marriage between Christ and the church. Revelation 21 is a picture of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, new heavens, new earth, and we are going to be gods. It says, God will be our God and we will be his people. And he's going to lo he loves us and we're going to get to enjoy that, enjoy that love. So that's the end. In Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come Lord Jesus. And all those pictures, all those things that Jesus pointed to about the marriage feast and the wedding of the lamb, those things you see being fulfilled at the end of Revelation, it's like the best meal, the best celebration, the best feast you've ever, the things, there are things there that touch our hearts. A wonderful, joyful wedding celebration is our coming together with our God. Isn't that good? Amen. You know, so then back here in, Ge in Genesis 1 and 2, it's, it's God made us. He made us in his image, male and female. Genesis 1, 27, 28, male and female, he created us in his image. Isn't that great? And so and then he breathed into us the breath of life. And then out of Adam, he created, out of Adam, he created Eve. And then from then on, all the guys come from the women. And there's this wonderful, beautiful connection, you know, and are you willing to, no, she don't want to come up. Okay. So imagine me standing here and she's not actually coming up, but imagine she's standing here. Okay. So there's this wonderful, beautiful thing that happens, like there's gaps in my life, and there's gaps in her life, but when we're together, there's a fullness and a full representation of the image of God that just can't be seen, you know, some other way, and um, so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that God does in bringing men and women together in marriage. Now, I want to pause here because... You know, what we're talking about, and this is just a, a parenthesis here in this sermon, but what we're talking about here is so important in our culture right now. I mean, you know, a man and a woman being married and that reflecting the image of God. Because it just, I don't know, the last 50 years, I, maybe there, there's always been confusion about sexuality. But there's especially, it's like it seems to be, you know, increasing this confusion. And there's Bible verses you can go to and say, do this and don't do this. But I just, what, part of my heart in saying something about this is that the strongest ground that we stand on in talking about a man being married to a woman is the biblical, historical meta narrative of God that a man and a woman represent his love for his people. And you run that through the entire story, the entire story, all the way to the end of Revelation. 
And it's like, this is not a minor thing. This is not a negotiable. Okay, so it's a, it's a huge piece of, of under, and, and it gives us, it's important, you guys, for us to have clarity about that and be loving in the way that we share that with the world around us because people are confused. We, we do want to love and show compassion to people that don't understand that God has a plan for man and woman. You know, recently, a number of us have been able to be involved in uh, this, the transgender issue in our Fort Worth Independent School District, and, and, and it's gotten to speak into that. I mean, we want to be a, a voice, and we want to do it in a loving, kind way that where people can hear that, and it affects change and brings about a godly, you know, Jesus-honoring, God-glorifying world. It's, it, you know, that's an issue, but it's like God wants us to touch our world. He wants us to be a, a political body that, that represents the kingdom of God on the earth, spreading out and touching the nations of the world. So that's, that's uh, my little parentheses on that, right? Everybody good? Okay, so it, it matters is what I'm saying. Now back to 30 years of wonderful marriage with this woman. So, you know, when we were standing there at the altar, you know, I, I did love her. I loved her. And um, I was in love with her. She was in love with me. I mean, this is an incredible guy. And uh, <laughs> who was so messed up at the time that if, if we'd actually done marriage counseling, we wouldn't have been able to get married. And by God's grace, uh, we got married, you know, and we loved each other. But here's the thing. If God's communicating his heart of love for us through marriage, we understood about this much when we stood there on the altar, right? And 30 years, there's no way 30 years ago I could stand, could have stood there and told you what love is going to be like at 30 years of marriage. It's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And because we are a picture of Christ in the church, this doesn't stop. It doesn't de-intensify. It doesn't kind of get over the edge of the hill and just kind of coast on home. It continues, like the love of Christ for the church, to, to grow through trials, to grow through challenges, to grow through the ups and downs. You know, And we, we understand love at a totally different level now than 30 years ago. And that's what God's saying. I want to communicate love to you. I want you to see what this is like. I want you to have a, you know, and whether you get married or whether you don't, healthy, life-giving, Jesus-loving marriages are about sharing and showing the love of God on planet Earth. You know, and, and there's, there, there's another little piece I want to touch on before I move on to the next, next, next thing. And that is that... that uh, God, another part of the, the important part of understanding the image of God is that he is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I did four. Fathers, <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And he's one. He's one. So, so there's a picture here of our oneness. And this is probably the most basic. This happens in all spheres of life where you're together as a group, but there's a diversity in your midst, you know, where there's. The college group, but there's all different kinds of beautiful people and individuals. And, and the marriage is the most intense version of that, where you've got a oneness, but there's a distinction. She's not me, I'm not her. I don't you know, meld into her, 
and she doesn't, you know, meld into me. We're, we're just, you know, we're, what are we? Our own people. Thank you. And, but that's image of God stuff, right? That's like, that's being like God, who is one, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, we can move on. Second piece, that marriage reveals not only God's heart of love, but God's heart of humility. So John chapter 1, verse 14. If you've got this handy, it might even come up. John 1, 14, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18 goes on and says, No one's ever seen God, but God, the one and only, that's Jesus, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Okay, so... You know, marriage shows a certain piece. Husband, wife shows a certain piece of the revelation of God because you're talking about Jesus there. But it's the coming of Jesus that shows even more, even more of a revelation of God's heart for us. And a part of it is humility. It's the incarnation. It's that Jesus comes down into this, into our darkness, into our brokenness, into our just messed up internal insides where we're churned up and what we just... You know, on our own, we just, uh, we're broken, we're hurting from the past, and, and what flows from us is a river of toxic pain. Just, uh, just the world and angst apart from Jesus. And Jesus stepping into that comes to us. How many of you guys found Jesus on your own? <laughs> just, you don't, he comes to us. While we were still enemies, Jesus Christ died for us. So in our darkness... He comes to us. And even if it seemed like I found him, he found you. He, he's coming. He's coming to us in our, in our pain, in our brokenness. And so this word about humility in marriage, you know, God, there's something God wants to show us about the way we relate to one another in marriage that we come under, that I come under her and then she comes under me. And it's not a, you know, uh, it would be weird if I really said, hey, honey, I'm in charge now and you're going to do what I say, you know, and, and every now and then I'll, I'll do this joking thing. I'll go, I'll go, you know, and, um, and, she, and she goes, back to you, buddy. You know, and I mean, really, it, what works isn't me telling her what to do. What works is me coming under and loving her like Christ loved the church, which is radical kind of love. Willing to die for. That's the humility of Jesus. It's that he became obedient even to the point of death. You get some husbands that are loving their wives even to the point of death, obeying Jesus and the Father. Wow. You're going to have some great marriages. You know? And so this is a, this is a huge thing. We, I, mean, I, just, I joke about this because it's like me going rah, 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 and saying something to her. I mean, really more what I'd see is like, wow. You know, some kind of kung fu pose, like, hey, buddy, you know, we're going to talk about this, you know, because we do it together, coming under each other with love. She doesn't do kung fu at me, you guys. That's a hyperbole, a hyperbole, right? Okay, so people get into hard places in marriage and in relationships, and you know one of the main things, the main reasons why it's hard to break through? It's the opposite of humility. It's pride. Just, you know, you see people at the end of their rope in marriages, 
and it's, they, they get kind of in, uh, what's the big, the, just frozen, rigid, you know, she's got to do something, he's got to do something that will make this, th- and it's, it's on us to follow Jesus into this way of humility that changes everything. It changes, you've got hard relationships going on, humility changes, it just changes, it's the power of revival, it really is. Humility is a power of... It change, it's like explosive, atomic, nuclear power to see people walking in humility and love between one another. It's just unbelievable. It'll change the world, right? So the third thing. Marriage reveals God's heart of commitment. So this third piece is the idea of covenant. So we've talked about Christ in the church. We've talked about love. We've talked about humility. We've talked about... You know, just the incarnation of Jesus coming down, going low, having that servant posture. And then this is the heart of commitment. I can't tell you how many weddings, pretty much all of them, I've stood wherever I was standing, usually up on the stage, but stood here in front of people. And then we get down to the end and I say, for this reason, I quote uh, Matthew 19, verse 6. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Right? So that, that, that coming together, those promises represent a commitment. Uh, there's vows that are made in that time. Just before that, there's vows that are made. And I, I promise, you know, I vow to cherish and love, you know, in sickness and in health. And riches and poorer and all these different things that we say as a part of our vows and all the creative ways that we say when we write them ourselves. But we're saying those, those kinds of things through the ups, through the downs, through the highs, through the lows. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you. I'm going to be committed to you. And so what's going on here is the idea of covenant. So covenant is a deeper idea than a business contract, right? A contract is two people say some things. I'm going to do some stuff. You're going to do some stuff. If you violate your end of the deal, this thing's over. Boom, contract violated. I'm out of here. So biblical covenant is a deeper thing than that. You know, so you, you see it, you know, in, in Abra, uh, with God making a covenant with Abraham, and they cut the animal, and then, then instead of them both walking through together, if either we're going to keep this covenant or, you know, uh, you know it's, a, it's a promise we're both making, instead, God goes through. And God makes the covenant with Abraham. So it's God saying, I'm going to love you no matter what. Even if you violate this thing, I'm going to love you. And we don't get that a lot of times. Even, even in talking about marriage, sometimes we focus on the out clauses. What's the way out? And, and real biblical God covenant is that I'm in. I'm in. I'm committing my life to you. And I'm going to do like God does. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep turning. Commitment and covenant is I'm going to keep turning to you. I'm going to keep, you know, again, it's the idea that Jesus comes to us when we could do nothing to save ourselves. In Hosea, it's a, it's, it's actually a, it's, it's a hard letter, but it's about God being faithful even when we're unfaithful. You know, he just keeps coming. And in the idea of covenant and commitment, it is that we are saying we pledge our lives to one another in relationship. And, you know, the, 
implications of this, not just in our marriages, but also spreading into all of our relationships. If we understood covenant language with friendships, covenant language in church life, what does that, I mean, imagine God's ideal breaking into the real. God's kingdom actually landing, you know, and it not just being pie in the sky, one day we go to heaven when we die, but his kingdom actually being inaugurated and seeing it lived out in real life, real time, real space, real places, you know, and that's the promise, you know, of, of God is that the kingdom, you know, expands from the land to the world, from the people of Israel to all nations. That's the kingdom of God coming. That's the, so you bring those three ideas together, love, humility, and commitment. Now we're getting close to wrapping this thing up. And the way forward is that God's given us these, he's given us these things. Marriage does matter. It does matter in the heart of God. It matters that God has a plan and a purpose and that he wants us expressing love, humility, commitment, covenant, expressing Christ in the church through our relationships, um, yeah, and so it, it's huge. Marriage was always intended to be a part of human flourishing and joy and life and the multiplication, the right kind of multiplication of life on the earth. That's God's heart. That's God's plan. That's God per, God's purpose. A couple things here. One, the way forward is we are made in God's image, guys. We're made in the image of God. And so this, understanding this, living this out, you don't like... Hey, I got that down, kind of moving on. It's, this, is a, this is a lifestyle. God wants us to live our lives the way he intended for us to live life. It's the best way to experience humanity and human flourishing and just minds that are set on the right things and eyes and hearts and hands and feet and life and living life together in a right and righteous and holy uh, way. So, it also means that this is the way God, God wants us to live toward others. This is the way God wants us to live toward others, and that in our marriages. Uh, that means humility, okay? Just practically. Just, I, I said this a little bit, but the, this coming under thing is a good picture. You know, uh, we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is how we live life together. So humility is this, again, I... Things go best when I learn to come under in the right way. When she learns to come, and we're just, there's, a, there's greater clarity, there's greater purpose, there's greater functioning, and we're not at each other. Does that make sense? So in our marriages, with humility and with commitment, love, love with humi uh, humility and commitment that we would say we're in no matter what, and we keep turning toward each other, just like the Father's love for us. Again, I, I feel like I need to say this because I heard this word in the first service and I want to say it to the second. I, we were sitting there, we were worshiping. It's powerful. And I heard this word. He I was just thinking about the church. And I feel like he's supposed to, he wants me to say to you, he loves you. 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 A thousand times a thousand times a thousand times infinity. And you don't outgrow needing to hear this. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I need to hear my father say that he loves me every day. And I go many days without that and I start getting funky 
and thinking weird stuff and having needs that, that I'm, not, I'm trying to get met in some other place besides the Lord. And we were made for love, for His love flowing into us and through us. Now, it doesn't stop with marriage. The way forward is not just here, but in my relationships with my friends and in my relationships in the church life. So what would happen if instead of a, a buffet mentality, uh, you know, disposable kind of friendship or, you know, that we actually had a covenant idea about our friendships, that it's going to take a lot more than we got angry at each other to, for me to say, I'm out of here. But that we work through stuff, that we love each other, that we are committed, that we are humble with one another. And instead of just walking through the buffet line, we say, I'm in. And there is, in your healthiest relationships, you know, in the healthiest ones you've got, there's a dynamic of covenant going on there, whether you call it that or not, where you're committed to one another. And you could tell each other anything, and they're going to be there, you know. And the more healthy church life gets, it's when this dynamic is happening. And we don't like, we don't like commitment. There's, there's part, part of us just just pushing against the whole thing. Like, what are you asking me to do? Love, be humble, practice covenant. You know, and yet this is the path forward, you know, for life, for joy, for the multiplication of the life of God. Marriage matters, you guys. Even in our brokenness, we don't give up on what is real. You know, we talk a lot here about we want to know what is real in Christ. We want to know the reality. And so marriage is a piece of God expressing what's real on the earth. His love for His people, Christ and the church, in and through us. And it means working through challenges because we're a challenging people. Thank you. Who's been challenging this week? I've been challenging this week to God and to others. And praise God, He keeps, there's just grace. His nonstop Niagara of love and grace is yours in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness forever. Grace forever. Love for you can't even ever fully comprehend it. And it's good. I need to hear it. And so, you know, just like we talked about on Friday night at the worship and prayer time, you know, just Hudson Taylor said he would ask himself, have you repented today? And what he meant by that is, have you turned to God? Have you turned away from the stuff you don't need to be looking at and turned to God? What a great word for us in our marriages, in our relationships, in the church life. Marriage matters. It really does matter. And he's going to use us in the midst of all of our stuff, all of our junk, all of our brokenness to release his life and love and image on planet earth. Y'all stand up. Yay. Hey, today we've got a little extra time. And so well, let's have some good ministry time here. We do this at the end of every service. This is just where we respond to God and uh, maybe get some prayer. Pray, pray up here at the front. Pray with people that are out, uh, out there beside you. But here's how I want to set this up today. Great. Ministry time. I love it. So, you guys, this message today is for everybody. Marrieds, singles,
college, everybody gets in on this. And there's nobody that's, that doesn't need to grow in love and humility and commitment. So, so we're all in. There's a place for us to press in. This is a word about, uh, not, it's about marriages. So, and it's not just if you're hurting or have a hurting marriage. It's if you want to go to the next level. And it's not just about marriages. It's also about relationships. Is there some place where growth needs to happen in a relationship with a friend? Or a relationship in the church? You know? And ultimately, oh man, it's about Jesus. I want more of Jesus. And so week after week, you know, this is just an opportunity for us to say, yes, Lord. And if even today, if you're visiting or maybe you've been away from Jesus or maybe you've never really made that first commitment, this, let this time be a time where you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. I've been through stuff and I, I want to repent and turn to you today. I put my hope and trust in you. But what a great time to do that. At the end of a marriage sermon, to say yes to Jesus, right? So, you guys, um, let's press in. Let's just take some time and go for it. Be hungry and uh, yeah, don't wait for somebody else to press in to the Lord. Be the, be the hungriest person, right? Don't let somebody out radical you for Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come and meet us. Lord, give us grace to press into you today, to take that step of hunger. Lord, increase faith in our hearts right now. Lord, let us I just, just see you turning to us and wanting you more and more. Lord, meet us today in Jesus' mighty name. Whatever your need is, guys, healing, finances, whatever's going on in life, get prayer in Jesus' name.